0: Welcome to the Lions Den University Report. This program brings you a behind the scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. The following program was previously broadcast. Uh, what a blessing to meet Tom Cantor, who's uh, both the CEO of a major medical research corporation in San Diego, California, and laboratory with over 700 employees worldwide and 1,500 products, uh, but also the director of the Creation and Earth History Museum uh, there uh, right next to his facilities in Santee, California. That was previously run by the Institute for Creation Research until they moved their headquarters to Dallas, and Tom offered to take uh, the museum over, and now that's a part of his ministries and projects that uh, God has led him into. Uh, But he's been speaking on the subject of why creationists Make good scientists, and uh, this uh, is addressing an error that's being told to young people today in our science classes, especially at the university level, that if you believe in creation, there's no scientific value of holding that viewpoint, that there's no benefit, there's no uh, predictive nature of experimentation that it leads to. And therefore, uh, you're not going to get any place in science if you're a creationist. Uh, I believe, as we've shared in the last broadcast, Tom's battle to remove a medical uh, test on kidney for kidney dialysis patients that resulted in a $300 million fine uh, for Quest Laboratories. Uh, and removal of that product from the market shows that uh, he's a credible scientist and does uh, uh, work that uh, would... Uh, Uh, put uh, others uh, to pale in terms of uh, his uh, results and so on. He gives the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, we're glad to have you, Tom, again with us on the lion's den. Thank you very much, Glenn. And we want to go into this subject, I know uh, I guess it's the first time you put it together of uh, why Creationists Make Good Scientists, I actually thought of uh, uh, that uh, concept as I read your booklet. And by the way, for our listeners, if you'd be interested in um, reading Tom's personal testimony, he has a booklet that he's written on why a Jew became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also another booklet on why a Jew became a creation scientist, and we have those available. If you'll contact us, we'll uh, send you a copy, complimentary and i uh, be happy to get those to you. But uh, in that booklet on why a Jew became a creation scientist, uh, you uh, show that uh, there are benefits of looking at science from the perspective that God made it all. And uh, I wonder if you would share uh, some of those thoughts that you've been sharing uh, over this uh, past few days uh, about why creationists make good scientists.
1: Yes, as uh, I w- we put together and I, uh, Called up uh, some of our colleagues in the company to uh, receive their perspective as well. We came up with seven points, which are um, which we use within our company and which are very real. You know, uh, I kind of view our company. I view our research efforts as um, as a ship which has to constantly be uh, checked for the direction that it's going in and a little course adjustment is necessary from time to time. And so these seven points, um, if you will, are like like waypoints or anchor points that we bring ourselves back to. The first point is that as creation scientists, we try to to be very respectful of the perfection of the creation. Uh, When I was going to Hebrew school, um, it was very rare that I did a good job, but at least uh, the other students that I were in, they did a good job more than me. And uh, the teacher would go around, and in Hebrew, the teacher would say, Tob Mayod, which means very good, good job. And in the last verse of Genesis 1, in verse 31, it says there that God looked over all of his creation, and it was Tob Mayod, very good. So, To me, those two words uh, express the perfection of the creation. And in our company, in our research department, we always try to remind ourselves that we're working with a very complex, perfect creation, especially in the human body or in life systems. And therefore, we're reticent and very careful about coming up with... uh, with addresses for pathologies that would be short-sighted and only look at trying to change one part of the creation without any view to the side effects which might occur. And so we, we remind ourselves of what happened with uh, trying to interfere with an enzymatic reaction that forms cholesterol and the, the other consequences to damaging smooth muscle as well as harming the, the liver in, for in with regard to Lipitor we remind ourselves about the uh, problems that were involved with um, bisphosphonates such as Fosamax and so forth to block the uh, function and the reproduction of the osteoclasts which break down bone and the consequences which which we have been involved in research in demonstrating that this results in dead bone a dynamic bone disease and many examples like this and so when we decide uh, for a direction as to how we should address a, a pathology, we are very careful to remind ourselves that we' are working with a tomeode, a perfect creation that has many that is very intricate, and we have to be very careful that we do not uh, just jump in to uh, change something without being uh, cognizant of the consequences that will happen. That happens because this is a creation. This is not something that has come about through random processes, but this is a very intricate creation and it's a perfect one. The second principle which, which has made it different for us is that we don't say to ourselves, well, what can we come up with uh, as a solution to a pathology? But we look at how the creator uh, addressed problems, the strategy. That the Creator used. Right. This is an. This this creates for us uh, the direction that we try to go in. For example, in addressing um, infectious diseases, the current trend among pharmaceutical companies is to use chemicals. The Creator is very good at making chemicals, but we have rejected the um, the strategy of using chemicals to treat uh, pharmaceutical uh, to create uh, infections. Uh, sorry to. Uh, to cure infections, and instead we've looked at that the creator uses polyclonal antibodies, not monoclonal antibodies from a single clone, but polyclonal antibodies, and that's a direction that we've chosen in our strategy to address HIV, hepatitis C virus, MRSA, uh, pharmaceutically resistant infections of E. coli, Klebsiella, Pseudomonas. Uh, Streptococcus and others.
0: We almost lost you here now, but you said that the body makes chemicals. God made the body to make some kind of chemicals, and I've heard you say before things like uh, hydrochloric acid is made in the body. And, and uh, But God doesn't use those to, to deal with disease problems, is That's that, right. that what you're saying? That's I mean, right. And, and tell us a little bit about the hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Uh, right. Juices. Well, hydrochloric
1: acid is produced in the stomach. It is a marvelous creation, it's HCL, it's uh, very strong, I mean, uh, you know, it's strong enough to I suppose to dissolve nails, I mean, but the marvel of it all is that the stomach lining is not eaten away by the HCL which is formed. So, God is a master when it comes to making uh, chemicals, he makes, uh, hi, there's factories to produce uh, hydrogen peroxide, many, many chemicals that the body, can, the body does make, he's good at that, but when it comes to addressing infections, viral infections, bacterial infections, the creator did not choose chemicals to kill those bacteria and viruses. And we, uh, if we sort of t- step back and look at the, what has happened and the outcomes where pharmaceuticals have been used, chemicals have been used, this is what's given rise to the pharmaceutical-resistant infectious organisms such as MRSA. Because they have, become, they have adapted through natural selection, or it's really an unnatural selection, but anyway, through a selection process to become resistant. However, when the Creator uses antibodies, which he does, in order to address those problems, there is no such thing as an antibody-resistant infection.
0: So that's uh, your target then, looking at how God did it with antibodies, you specialize in, in dealing with antibodies as attacking disease.
1: That's right. That's right. And taking a step back and asking the question, why do we do that? It's because we, ta- we, we try to copy the strategy that the creator used. Not just any antibodies. There are companies that make monoclonal antibodies, but the creator does not use monoclonal antibodies for attacking disease. He uses polyclonal antibodies, and that's what we use
0: tremendous all right now move ahead on your other reasons why the creationists make good
1: scientists right in our company we are constantly reminding ourselves that we are working with a marvelous creation when we make discoveries of, uh, of some of the biochemical pathways or some of the uh, mechanisms which he has put in place it leads us to worship that is v- very fulfilling because as it leads us to worship we actually feel that we have the freedom To bow our heads and just to say, thank you, precious Lord Jesus Christ, for putting together the creation in this way that you've just privileged us to be able to discover. That's a good thing. Another point is that we look at the creation, and this again goes back to the idea of having respect for it, as seeing all parts of the creation as having purpose. There is no such thing in our minds as a purposeless vestige from the past, a purposeless vestige left over from an evolutionary process. That's not in our minds. This had an impact on us because when we discovered uh, that there was this fragment of parathyroid hormone missing the first six amino acids, it's called 784 PTH, in the blood, in the glands of parathyroid uh, parathyroid glands. we took the position that that has a purpose that we need to discover. It's not something left over, as some said, from an evolutionary process. Turns out that through a long study of almost 10 years, we've been able to publish and to demonstrate that that is a new hormone with counter-regulatory actions, inverse biological actions to parathyroid hormone. That all came about because we took the position that the creator would, would not place peptides within the within our bodies for no purpose but as part of his marvelous creation it had a purpose and he enabled us and privileged us to be able to s- discover the purpose that he put it there for.
0: And in, in layman's language you said uh, that we had discovered the one of them was the uh, gas pedal but we hadn't discovered the other one that was the brake pedal That's on right. the same system.
1: That's right and so that helps to describe somewhat, in part, how the body can control calcium, can regulate calcium moment by moment in spite of the fact that we might put a Tums in our mouth or eat a yogurt, which has a high calcium concentration, and this does not throw us into a problem of being hypercalcemic or having too high a concentration of calcium in the blood. And this, one of the ways that we discovered was that the body operates with both a gas and a brake pedal.
0: All right, go through the rest of the seven, well, seven reasons.
1: Yes, so the fifth reason is that uh, it, it promotes humility to be a creation scientist because we are constantly giving credit to the creator. It's not, the point is not our discoveries. The point is not what we've done. The point is that we've been able to discover what the creator does, and we consciously give credit to him for how he did it. The sixth reason which I feel is a very large advantage that we have as creation scientists is that when we're frustrated, when we come up with an obstacle that, uh, that's something we don't understand, that we have an avenue of help that is not available to the non-creation scientists. And that is, we're able to bow our heads and to simply ask the creator for help. Help in understanding what he did, his creation. And the last point is that, as creation scientists, we feel a freedom to be open to allow the data to lead where it leads. We're not afraid of the data leading us to the fact that there is a creator. We do not feel boxed in by having to take the data and to somehow awkwardly say that it supports this lame theory of evolution.
0: Well, that's tremendous, and uh, what a blessing to uh, have you with us in central Pennsylvania speaking on some of the university campuses and addressing this issue. My guest for the preceding broadcast has been Tom Cantor, uh, a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ, uh, the CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory and Director of Earth and Creation. History Museum in San Diego, California. Tom, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here in Central Pennsylvania, and God bless you and your ministry.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: You have been listening to the Lion's Den University Report. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844 or email ltcldur at yahoo.com